Hello and welcome to another episode of the Casual and the Diehards, an NBA podcast on the Enzo Podcast Network of Podcasts. Trade deadline. Been a while since we've recorded one of these. That's on me. Scheduling has been kind of a nightmare over the past few weeks, but we did need to get together for a trade deadline episode. I also think that NFL season's done now, so uh, if you folks are interested in it, I was thinking maybe the week after the Super Bowl, we start transitioning to more maybe recording on the weekends on Sundays potentially and doing an episode a week, which I think would be good for the stretch run here. Um, but crazy trade de- trade deadline, all kinds of stuff to talk about. A rundown here that we're going to attack in a slightly different order than usual because we just need to get to the big news today. Joined by Ethan Pierce, my good friend and writer at the Utah Daily Chronicle. So diehard Warriors fan and of course my good friend Aramis Hicks. Audrey could not join us today. She had some prior conflicts, but hopefully she will be back with us at a later date. Fellas, that was crazy. That was pretty crazy, huh? Yeah, it was. Like, <laughs> I, 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 um, as far as just the star power moved, I don't think I've ever seen a crazier deadline than this. Um, let's just Man. start with where with where we got to start. Uh, KD to the Suns. Um, all I have here underneath is wow, just uh, crazy that this happened. Ethan, why don't you walk us through the compensation and what kind of went down here? Yeah, man. So, uh, I mean, this trade kind of came out of nowhere, you know, hitting us around 11 p.m. local time for us. That's 1 a.m. on the East Coast where most of the Nets fans are. So I assume most of them didn't see it until this morning when they woke up. But crazy, crazy trade. Um, It was, I believe, Kevin Durant and TJ Warren heading back to Phoenix. Uh, And it's four first-round picks along with Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson and uh, I believe there was one other player as well, Jay Crowder, who they flipped to Milwaukee. So a lot to give up for the Suns, but uh, in my opinion, you can never give up too much for a guy like KD. I know he's getting older, but still a top three player in the league, in my opinion. It's it's insane. Aramis? Uh, yeah, man, I'm going to have to agree with that, man. There's nothing. You can't really trade too much for one of the greatest scoring for the, I guess, one of the, probably the second in this generation greatest scoring power uh small forward ever whatever you know what i'm saying but my god man that was some crazy shit i can't believe he got moved i think i don't know man they're gonna be trouble and already wacky western conference man this trade and a whole lot of other trades i was going down really kind of really shows how tight everybody was and i'm man that son's gonna be scary once chris paul and Devin Booker gets back i mean I think they're all on a similar health timeline, aren't they, to return? Like, well, not Chris Paul, but Devin Booker and Duran are, yeah? Booker uh, did come back on Tuesday. He's only played one game. They're kind of taking it slow with him. He didn't play tonight because of injury maintenance and stuff like that. So Booker going to play a little bit. You know, there's only like two or three games until the All-Star break, but uh, they should both be back in full swing pretty soon after the break is over. So we'll get to see that team in about two weeks. It's gonna it's gonna be disgusting, man. It's gonna be disgusting. I can't believe that the the Nets did it, man. I'm not gonna lie to you. They just said, forget everybody, man. They just they just got everybody up out of there. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. It's it's I mean, the downfall of this Nets team is gonna be talked about for years, man. They had, you know, just a year ago, uh, it was it was James Harden and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant all on the same team. And all they have is one playoff win to show for it, one playoff series win. Um, you know, people are going to talk about, hey, what if KD's foot wasn't on that line in that Milwaukee Bucks series from two years ago? And maybe they had won the title that year. But, you know, one of the biggest failed super teams in the history of the NBA. I mean, my... go ahead, Eric. We... I do think the Nets are in a good position, though, now. Because not only do they have all those picks, but they have all those super attractive wing players that the Suns had. They do. And, like, yeah. you can deal – like, the Nets can very quickly deal those pieces this offseason for 
more first round picks because those are the most valuable defensive pieces in the NBA are good wing forwards. And that's what they have uh, in Mikhail Bridges, especially. Um, I, I do think that the Nets for as much as of a failure as this era was, what did they really give up for it? I, I know the Rockets have all their personal picks, but yeah. like, the yeah. Suns are not going to look this way forever. Like, I would say KD probably has this year and maybe next on the Suns, and there's no guarantee that KD is like, I don't want to play in Phoenix next year and dips this offseason. Like, this, yeah. to me, but the Nets for sure won this trade because it's just so high-risk, high-reward. Basically, the Suns have to win the championship this year or this was not a good trade for them. I mean, I'll, I guess we'll see. We'll see how it looks over the next. I think KD's still got three years left on his deal, and and they've got some time to kind of restructure the roster around him and Booker. So I, I think the odds are pretty high that they end up winning a title with this core. I mean, it's the Suns and it's Chris Paul, so you never really know, right? But uh, I think it's a calculated risk. I don't think you can like you know like me and Aramis said, you can't give up too much for KD, and it's a lot of stuff. But it's a move you have to make. I think. I'm not gonna lie, Eric. I would love to agree with you, but um, nah, man. I'm a like you really fumbled the three superstar NBA MVP level players that you had as a Nets organization. I just they might have won the trade with paper and players and picks. They definitely did that, but aren't they the organization that's gonna keep them? That's gonna be able to do something special with all that, or are they gonna waste it like they have everything else? But oh my gosh, it ain't. The, the, the thing I'm concerned about with Brooklyn is, like you mentioned, Houston still has a bunch of first-round picks from them, from the James Harden trade. So even though the Nets got a good amount of assets back, you know, picks for Kyrie and picks for Kevin Durant, and I believe they got a pick for Harden last year, but this team can't tank because if they tank, all those picks are just going to the Rockets. So they still have to try to compete um, with what they have on the roster. And, it, you know, it's actually a pretty good team on paper. They're, they're not going to be horrible. Obviously, they're not title contenders anymore, but they have a decent amount of, of talent still. Do you think they're going to give anybody up uh, any buyouts or I guess the trade down lines up. Do you think there's anybody that would try to buy out their contract to go I, play for a contender? Over I there? was a little surprised that they didn't trade Seth Curry today. Um, he's one of their only like key players that's on an expiring deal. Everybody else is, is under contract for next season. So, uh, but Seth Curry, you know, he needs a new deal in the off season. Uh, he could definitely leave. A lot of contenders are going to be looking to snap him up because everybody needs shooting. Um, so I was a little surprised they didn't deal him. I don't think a buyout would be on the table um, just because I think they still want to try to be at least decent this season, but uh, that's the only guy. So do you, do y'all believe they still even do the, do y'all still believe they still make the playoffs this I year? I think they do. Uh, I mean, looking at the East, like it, it's just a very like weak conference beyond really the top four teams. Um just made like huge moves at the deadline, right? Like Milwaukee got a little bit of depth with Jay Crowder. The Celtics snagged Mike Muscala. That's not, you know, going to change much. Philly picked up Jalen McDaniels. Cleveland didn't do anything. So, you know, Miami didn't do much. The Knicks didn't do really much. Got Josh Hart, I guess. But, you know, you look at all the other top teams, nobody really made any trades. I think Brooklyn can still very much stay in the mix. My goodness, when you break it down like that, they might actually make it to the second round if they go up yeah. against, like, I don't know, the Nets, the Knicks, or, like, I don't know, the Hawks, the uh, Bums. But, oh, uh, yeah, man, just, this is just greatest NBA season ever so far. Yeah. Greatest drama NBA season ever. Yeah, I would totally disagree with what you just said, Aramis. The Knicks are a way better team right now than the Nets are. But, um, the Suns, I do feel like we should spend some more time on them where do you think they rank now hierarchy wise in the west like is this a team that can compete with denver for the one seed down the stretch if they get healthy i don't know i mean the question is do they care about seeding right because they're not that far behind like the three seed if they want to make a run at it but they're not going to push it too hard because you know durant's been dealing with an injury booker just came back I don't think they're going to try to push it. I think they'll probably go for, you know, seed maybe four or five. Um, and, and you know, seeding doesn't really matter that much when it comes down to it. You get into the playoffs healthy, especially in the West this year where everybody just seems so average. Um, that's all that really matters is getting there in one piece. 
Yeah, they're more worried about getting everything together. I mean, KD is going to be a great addition to the team. Of course, you got Chris Paul being able to be a floor journal and all that, but they're still going to have to put it together to make this make this thing work. I mean, clearly super teams are not an automatic bid like we thought they were. So we'll have to figure it out first. Yep. They they got to put it together. I think, I mean, on in terms of the basketball fit, though, I think Booker and Durant will work absolutely fine together. Um, they honestly have kind of similar play styles. You know, both take a lot of mid-range jumpers. They're both, you know, among the best mid-range shooters in the league, if not the two very best. Um, you know, both of them can score. They're high IQ players. Both have played in winning systems and winning scenarios. Um, you know, people are always going to pull up the, oh, there's only one ball to go around thing. But we, we've seen, you know, stars of this caliber work it out plenty of times over the last couple of years. And I think they're going to be just fine. Uh, big winner in this trade to me is DeAndre Ayton. You just think of what he does well, which is operating the pick and roll and, and winning space. And like a pick and roll with Chris Paul running the attack with your wings being Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. And then you have DeAndre Ayton rolling like that's that's offensively. That's a very hard team to stop. Absolutely. Yeah. They, they have two of the best offensive players in the league. And you add a floor general and Chris Paul, you know, rim threat and Ayton like you're spot on. It's a really tough offense to guard. They're going to be tough, man. They're going to be tough. I just my biggest reservation with them. I mean, it, y'all are right. They should fit together. It should be an amazing basketball situation. I think they're going to be able to click. I think the newness is going to is gonna be what's going to keep them down this year and then next year is when they're really going to start rolling with the, I don't know, with being real serious contenders. At least that's just... That's you wrong. really think KD is going to play out his contract, though? And, I mean, you know, they're going to trade Chris Paul for Kyrie this offseason if we believe reports. So, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, he's going to say... I mean, you, you never know, play. right? Like, like especially with stars like this, like he's requested a couple of trades over the past, you know, few months. You never know if he'll be happy a year from now. But all the reports is he wanted to go to Phoenix. This was his preferred destination. He asked the Nets to get him there, and that's what happened. Um, so you know, as long as they're winning, I think he's going to stay there. I mean, there's a big caveat, Eric. He did ask to get traded from Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Nets. So you know, nah, yeah. I'll just- I just think they they might be uh, the problem in this situation, man. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm 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 just, you know, I'm hesitant these days because these big stars, they, you know, you can trade for them, but there's just no guarantee they'll stick around. Like we've just seen that so many times at this point. Like it, it is kind of buyer beware. But w- what a new uh, what a move by the new owner for the Suns to just immediately go get Kevin Durant. All right. Second big trade talk about Kyrie Irving to the Dallas Mavericks, uh, Dimwitty and uh, Dorian Finney Smith end up going back to um, Brooklyn, which again, Dimwitty, that's a huge trade trip that the Nets have now. Uh, my favorite line of article reading over the past month from the athletic which i love by the way just uh re-up my subscription now that i'm not working in sports media so much and i have a little bit more time to read and stuff like that it's fantastic i would suggest i'm sure ethan's probably subscribed but the athletic nobody really does it better when it comes to sports journalism bear writer on this uh trade the final line of the article the ceiling for the dallas mavericks is a championship, but the floor is now essentially lava. What a great line, and what a perfect way to summarize this trade. Kyrie Irving is a Dallas Maverick. Ethan, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you talk about guys by potential not stick around. I think Kyrie is much more of a threat to bolt the Mavericks uh, than KD is to bolt his new situation, because Kyrie's a free agent this summer. I mean, the initial trade request from Brooklyn came at the hands of a contract dispute, um, they weren't paying him what he thought he was worth. And uh, the Mavericks did not agree to an extension with him as part of this trade. So we'll see where we're at in the summer. Um, it may depend on where the Mavericks end up in the playoffs. You know, if they win a couple of rounds, maybe get to the conference finals. Um, but if they flame out in the first round, you know, everything is on the table for potentially Kyrie leaving, maybe to join back up with KD in Phoenix. Uh, maybe he wants to go to the Lakers. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, I'd be scared about that. Yeah, no no doubt about that. I mean, 
Oh my gosh, man. The thank you. Uh sorry, sorry, give me one second, man. I had a thought in my head, I just pooped it out. Um no doubt, man. The Kyrie Irving on the Kyrie Irving on the Mavericks is definitely, like I said, interesting. But I think um I do think it is very prevalent on how far Dallas makes it. I think if they I think they have to make it to the finals for him to even think about staying. Because I believe even the Mavericks mentioned that this is possibly just a rental for the for the rest of this year, just to see how Luca plays with somebody. Yeah. I mean, good news for Dallas though is they didn't really give up picks in this trade. I think it was just one first round pick. You know, a, a couple of really quality role players, of course, and Dinwiddie and Finney Smith. But you know, if he does end up leaving, it doesn't like shoot them in the foot and totally cripple their future. So that's at least a benefit. No, this is kind of like the opposite of the. This is definitely the opposite of the problem Luca had before, but like it's still, it still feels to me like a big issue. Like, I KD like okay, so Luca KD different games. They both amazing players, right? But I I feel like this is just kind of the Brooklyn Nets series 2.0. With like, I think they are better players over there in in um in Dallas. They are more organized. I think I think hopefully he'll respect his coach this time. I mean, he did completely blow up the spot with us, the other Hall of Fame point guard NBA coach, but hopefully it'll work out with this one. Oh, I just I just think this might rear the same issues that uh, Brooklyn yep. Nets in the last couple of years might have had. Kyrie has blown up every team he's been to. He requested a trade away from LeBron, away from Kevin Durant. Uh, things did not go well in Boston. He was on bad terms with the team when he left, bad terms with the Nets when he left, bad terms with the Cavs when he left. Um, you know, you just cannot count on this guy. You just can't do it. It's so weird, though, because we say that right now, us us three here, and everyone in the professional sports media says that, and everyone says he's a locker room cancer, and he's this, and he's that. But if you talk, if you listen to the guys that know NBA players, Adrian Morjanowski, uh, Brian Windhorst, Ryan Russillo especially, they say NBA players, like guys in locker rooms, love Kyrie Irving. I just can't understand that. He's such an explosive personality off the court, and like he's had some definitely some regrettable things he's said this year, but it doesn't really seem to affect his teammates. And sure, he might request all these trades, but it seems like everywhere he goes, people pretty much universally love playing with him. It's so strange to me. I mean, at the end of the day, NBA players want to win. And for all of Kyrie's flaws off the court and, you know, his, his unwillingness to commit to a team and stay there, he's a good basketball player. You know, he helps you win. He's a point guard. Uh, he gets you guys the ball where they want it. And, and, you know, they win games with Kyrie. He's a champion. So, I think that's that's all it really boils down to. That's why guys like him. We show a lot of players who have been issues in the, who have been major problems with their teams. A lot of love and a lot of leeway. And I think I, he is a lot of drama. I I'm, I'm a Kyrie fan. I'm not gonna lie to y'all. I think some of the stuff is a little extra. But like he so I, he has his impact on the game. The way he plays. The way he finishes and attacks and stuff like that. I think. The impact he has on basketball players coming up is primarily the biggest reason why people respect him and who he is as a basketball player. Now, as like, I don't think he's a locker room cancer. I think that's the that's not the correct way to, to put him. He's a front office cancer. He just is not going to he's going to be a nightmare for your PR team. He's going to be horrible for that. And everybody he plays with, even in those spots you mentioned, um, not too many people in the Cavs playing with him had too many bad things to say about him as far as players. Same with Boston and same with um, Brooklyn so far. So I, just, I, he just got some about him and the way he plays definitely impacts a lot of the future basketball players we're going to see coming up. The one thing that does kind of concern me about this Irving trade him, but one thing where it is does get super risky with Dallas is the reports obviously were out there that Luca wasn't happy that they weren't really building the team this offseason. Okay, they went out and got Kyrie Irving. If this blows up and Kyrie Irving turns this into 
locker room drama and crazy news stories and everything that Kyrie Irving typically does. How worried are we that that's going to drive Luca to say, oh, okay, I, I, I don't really want to be in the Mavericks organization anymore. I I really don't like the way this is, has gone because that's honestly in the grand scheme of things, who cares about Kyrie Irving? Kyrie Irving is ultimately an aging veteran who can be a good piece on a team chasing rings. What you have in Luka Doncic is a guy that will be the face of the NBA in the next three years and a young cornerstone that is probably going to have a LeBron James type effect and career. You do not want to scare a player like that off. And I think this move has a real chance of alienating a guy like him. Yeah. I mean, you can make that argument and I I won't disagree with that. But the other thing too is, you know, you, you could also say if they hadn't have made this trade, it's also scaring off Luca and alienating him because he wanted a star to play with. This is the guy who was available, right? I mean, in retrospect, maybe they could have made a play for KD, um, but they didn't really have the picks to get that done, right? So this was the star that was out there for them. Uh, they didn't have to pay too much to get him. So, you know, it, it goes back to that same quote you mentioned from The Athletic. The ceiling is a championship, but the floor is lava. And it, it's a very risk, you know, a very risky move for the Dallas Mavericks. There's no question about that. Um, and we'll just have to see how it plays out. Yeah, man, I think that, I mean, this is the help. This is some help, right? I mean, this is still, despite how toxic he is to a franchise, this is still a guy who is one of the top point guards in the league. So this is kind of their putting their chips forward and seeing how the stuff will fall down, man. I don't know if he'll sink the ship. I don't think he'll be here long enough to sink the ship, to be honest with you. Uh, it'll it'll be interesting to see how the Irving deal plays out. That is definitely the more high-risk, high-remore of, of the two. All right. I want to jump now to briefly uh, the weird Eastern Conference, and then we'll just touch base on where our teams are at. That'll include talking about the Lakers. We'll do some awards, some trade deadline winners and losers, and uh, much watched team for February and our MVP of this past month that uh, is now closing up. But first, I just want to ask the Eastern Conference, what do you guys make of it? I, and I want to start with this. I, I was personally shocked that the Toronto Raptors didn't make a single move. They are kind of out of playoff contention right now and they kept basically all their big stars and added a little bit of help in Jakob Pertl sure that might be a smart move I do think with the players they have if they're coached well enough and if they stay healthy and play well together this should be a playoff team they're talented enough to be at least a, a, a top 8 seed in the Eastern conference, but like most of these guys are free agents next summer. And it just surprises me that they didn't get any value for them. And you just wonder is Pascal Siakam is Fred Van Vliet is OG Ananobi just going to walk in free agency, but the Raptors whole plan right now just kind of really confuses me. Does it confuse either of you? Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of smoke out there on the Raptors this week. Um, and I, I was going back and forth on whether or not I thought they were actually going to make trades because you never know with Masai Ujiri, uh, the general manager of the Raptors, he, you know, he's known throughout the business, throughout the league as one of the toughest guys to deal with, uh, just because he, you know, he's not going to budge from his asking price for a lot of his guys. And I think that's what happened here. We know that, you know, Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent, Oji Ananobi, even Chris Boucher, they were all out there available um, but nobody really met the price in order to get any of those guys, and, and he holds on to him. The problem here is, you know, Van Vliet and Gary Trent both have player options for next season. Ojean Anobi has a player option for the following year. 
So you're running a risk here, you know, holding on to these guys. You're running the risk that some of them leave and you'd get no value out of them when you could have had something. So um, the Raptors are good. They have a lot of talent, and I think they probably will move up in the standings in the Eastern Conference. Hurdle is really good and underrated. I'm happy that they picked him up. But, uh, you know, it, it'll be weird to see what they do, especially this summer, uh, you know, potentially dealing with some big high-profile free agents. Yeah, I'm – I'm going to rock with what Ethan said, man. I don't really get the direction for what they're going for. Some nice pickups, and they all they 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 feel like the Brooklyn Nets a little bit. They have a lot of players, a lot of teams want. But like you said, homeboy's not selling unless you're going to pay him some very pretty, and that's just not what they felt like they could do. They felt like they could get other better players, which a lot of teams went out and did. I think the the Kyrie and the and the um KD trade is the only reason. They still have their players there. Literally, um, OG Ananobi got his spot all ate up, and everything of value that was gonna be offered to them all ate up from the KD trade. And then same with Fred VanVleet and Kyrie. Man, I just think that two bigger stars were available, and they got snatched up. I I I I just don't know. I I just I I I'm interested to see how the rest of the year plays out with the Toronto Raptors. They're definitely going to be a team I really keep track of. But the Eastern general is just so weird because you came into the deadline looking at it like it was the stronger conference, and then it it, it lost two of its biggest stars. And sure, the Brooklyn experiment wasn't really working out, but it does really feel like there are only like three to four real teams in the East. The Celtics the Sixers, the Bucks, and maybe a fourth. I, uh, Orlando, me, my man. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd throw in Cleveland to that conversation. Uh, but the Magic making moves today, too. So Cleveland, hey, no. they're not out of it yet. Cleveland, <laughs> no, we're right. Sure, but not, Cleveland's not, to me, at the level that Boston is at right now. And to me, Boston is the class of a conference with just the way they're – now, the Jalen Brown injury, it'll be interesting to see how they play through that. But ultimately, I think that'll help that team uh, to learn how to play without him. Um, I, I just feel like it's a super weird conference where none of the teams at the top really made significant moves to make themselves better I, outside of, I guess, Jay Crowder to the Bucks. I mean, it, it it's interesting to me how how – Philly and Boston specifically were kind of just sat back this this deadline. I think yeah. when you got a my bad. Go ahead, Ethan. No, you got it. So I think when you got a team like Boston that's going to the that was already in the finals with the team they already pretty much like, the only person that they were going after, or at least I heard reports from, was like a KD was back to the back to the big man KD trade over to there for Jalen Brown, but. They probably didn't want to pay up what the Nets was asking for, especially being competing in the same conference and whatnot. So, I mean, they just gotta, they're going to rock with who they got. I think a lot of these teams like who they have. I think the 76ers are comfortable filling out who they are with Embiid and Harden at your at the helm. I think a team like Milwaukee did need what they got, exactly what they got in Jay Crowder. You know what I'm saying? So, that's just, just – I think all the teams are set how they would like to be set going into the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think I'd have to agree. I mean, you look at it and you're like, okay, none of these teams really made significant upgrades. Uh, you know, some of the teams in the West obviously did, right? But but when you're looking at the Eastern Conference, to me, you know, I mentioned the top four teams, Celtics, Bucks, Sixers, and Cavaliers, I think are all contenders to win the conference. You could maybe talk me into the Miami Heat, but I, I'm getting out on them. So, you know, all those teams are right there. They're all about as good as each other. You know, Boston obviously has the medal. They went to the finals last year. Milwaukee with Giannis and, you know, like you mentioned, made that move to get Jay Crowder. I think they're going to be a little bit better. Um, and, then you know, it was a tough fought seven game series with Boston last year for them as well. So I think ultimately those two are the teams that are going to end up at the top. We'll have to see how it shakes itself out. But, you know, like you said, Aramis, all those teams are kind of set where they wanted to be. Uh, didn't feel like they needed to really make any significant moves. Yeah, I, you know, I think that's fair. 
but I, I was just surprised that nobody made moves uh, in, hey, in in the Eastern Conference, really. Hey, Eric, let me ask you, what is a move that what was a move that you would have liked to see happen or go down for an Eastern Conference team to help them get into that top four? You think you think Cleveland should have added some? What, what's what's your thoughts, my man? You know, I do think Cleveland should have added something. I think you've seen over the past few weeks as they've rested Donovan Mitchell a little bit. They are susceptible to like not competing at as high a level when he's not with the team. I, I know that they have other guys and Jared Allen has been very good over the past few weeks, but he's not putting up the numbers Mitchell have been putting up. And, you know, I I, I think that a guy like OG Ananobi or a guy like Fred Van Vliet for some depth for the Cavs would have been helpful. Um, I, I get they're in the same conference, but not not necessarily the same division. I, I do think yeah. I would have liked to see the Cavs be a little bit more aggressive because while I agree that the Celtics are set, the Celtics have, to me, like I said before, the best roster in the East. The, the Sixers, the vibes for the first time ever seem right. It seems like the whole team's getting together and they're clicking. I understand that. Bucks did the smart thing and just added a veteran wing guy, kind of like what they did with uh, was it Bobby Portis the year? PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker. The, the Portis year was on that team too, but they they got Tucker at the deadline and he they, was key for them. Won they the they won the championship and I like that. It just feels like the Cavs. They're so close, but. They weren't, and I get that they traded all those assets for Mitchell, but like, yeah, it feels like they are they are really maybe just a year away from from being able yeah. to seriously compete. I mean, the thing with the Cavs though is they have those years. Their core is so young that they're going to be competing for a long time. So, you know, I think they're in contention now, and I think they're in contention for the next five years. And on an OB move would have been nice, but as we kind of established the Raptors were asking for a lot and and the Cavs just didn't have those assets to give up after the Mitchell deal. So, you know, they do need another wing. Karis Levert was out on the market, you know, potentially for a more defensive minded small forward type of guy, but there really wasn't a lot of those guys out there that were within the Cavs price range. So the move just wasn't available for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally fair. All right. We're going to close a little bit differently uh, than usual. We'll we'll start uh, with our weekly check-in and on our teams. Uh, you know, I'll start with you, Aramis. Save the jazz stuff for me. I'll get to it in a, in uh, in next, and we'll Ethan go last. But uh, the the Magic did make some moves over the deadline. Trade away, bowl bowl. Uh, get Patrick Beverly. How been... dare you, sir? How dare you okay. besmirch the name of our Lord and Savior Mo Bamba? I can't, I can't believe oh. it, frankly. I'm shocked. That's disgusting. See, that's that's oh, why this show is called The Casual and the Diehards because there's one guy here who is a casual. <laughs> oh man, I, they, I, I, to be honest with you, when we went to the to a certain game against each other, certain favorite teams, and you scream a certain friend's goddamn head off. I really like what I saw from Obama, and I'm sad that they let him go. I mean, I mean, I'm happy we get the Black Air Force man in um, Patrick Beverly. That's going to be a really nice young leader for this team. Hopefully, he gets Markel Fultz, you know, pie facing people and throwing elbows and all that good stuff. But I just don't. I just I don't know. They weren't really using him. He wasn't really getting as much burn. You're right. The other guy you mentioned, Bull Bull, was really starting to take over for them and. They they they're gonna be all right, man. They're, I'm proud of them. They be all right. Is Patrick Beverly gonna get bought out? It feels like yes. he's gonna get bought out. Yeah, the there's a lot of reports today that he's not gonna play a game for them. So it looks like he'll hit the market, which will be interesting. He's a nice pickup, I think. All right, uh, Jazz. I mean, it, it was fun while it lasted. This this season has been way more fun. Than I thought it would. They discovered some good things, but uh, Danny Ainge just said, "Okay, I've seen enough. Uh, it's time to lose games." And um, you saw it last night in Minnesota. Uh, wasn't particularly competitive. 
uh, was listening to Spence Checkett's uh, ESPN 700 radio show today. Tony Jones of The Athletic said he'd be shocked if the Jazz won 10 games this year. I'll go one better. I I, I would bet anyone on this podcast that the Jazz will win no more than six games for the rest of the way. This is not a real NBA roster at this point. They are paper thin at every, posi- at every position. And Colin Sexton is now your starting point guard. And I do think Mike Conley really made this thing move. He was having the best year of his career as a Jazz member to me. And the Jazz made their move to the Lakers and got a pick. Uh, Ethan, I think we can talk about this. I, I thought Danny Ainge kind of got fleeced, though, to be completely honest with you. Jared Vanderbilt yeah. was a guy that reports were that the Jazz viewed him as a guy that was worth a first-round pick. And they traded him, Malik Beasley, who has been absolutely on fire from three this year, and Mike Conley for basically one asset. Like, And by the way, that asset is top four protected. And by the way, the year that asset is top four protected, LeBron James will likely not be on the Lakers, and the Lakers will do everything in their power to tank. And if you do everything in your power to tank, the chances of getting a top four pick are very, very high. And at that point, it becomes like a second rounder. So it's a huge yeah. gamble. I mean, I, I, I don't understand it. At all. Danny Ainge did a lot of good work this offseason, but he undid it all. And, by the way, you have Jordan Clarkson on this roster still. What? Why is he still here? That guy is worth at least a first-round draft pick. I love this monologue, Eric. And he's going to walk for free in free agency. And why'd you keep him? Because Ryan Smith loves him and he's his favorite player and it killed Ryan Smith that they moved Donovan Mitchell. Okay, fine. I guess it's fun to root for the fucking Dallas Cowboys. Stop being a meddling you-know-what and get out of the kitchen. Danny Ainge should have dealt Jordan Clarkson, should have gotten more back for them than what he did. It's disgraceful, to be completely honest with you. And they better hope they don't win more than seven games, or they're totally screwed because they've won too many games to even really be in a conversation for a top four pick. It's, it's, it, it feels like... A, a total loss. I am in panic mode. Wow. Wow. That oh, was okay. a little clap for Eric. That was a nice monologue. Uh, I'm not quite as as down on this trade as you are, but I, I don't think it was a good move for the Jazz by any means. But, you know, that didn't, like, ruin their future. Like, come on. Uh, in my opinion, the draft pick that they got from the Lakers will not belong to the Jazz by the time that pick comes due. Uh, it's four years from now. You know, Danny Ainge views everything as a trade chip. I think he will cash it in before that year comes around. Uh, because like you said, the protections on it are not great. It's top four. And if it doesn't convey, it turns into four second round picks. So they're not getting a first out of it if the Lakers are, a, a, a you know, a top four worst team in 2027. And it's likely that they potentially could be. Now the lottery is, you know, you never know, right? But if you look at the three players the Jazz gave up, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, and Mike Conley. I think they could have gotten more out of all those players if they had split them up and rerouted them to different teams because Vanderbilt had interest all around the league. It was reported for weeks leading up to the deadline. Teams across the NBA were interested in Jared Vanderbilt. I think you could have gotten a late first out of him. Malik Beasley, who knows, maybe a couple of seconds. Maybe he's also worth a late first, um, you know. His archetype of player is kind of interesting. I think it's somebody that the Lakers can use, not necessarily someone every team is interested in, but still could potentially be worth a pick. Conley's aging. His contract is a little expensive, but still, you know, the Wolves valued him. I think that he could have also potentially gotten a first-round pick. So you do this deal essentially to get off everybody's money for next season. You get Westbrook in. You know, his contract is up after this year. They're going to buy him out. They, they're not attached to any long-term money. So I think the viewpoint for the Jazz was to kind of duck some salary a little bit, get a really valuable chip that everybody you know looks at, that 2027 Lakers first. It's clearly viewed as a very valuable piece around the league. The Jazz can use that in a future deal. Um, and, and you know you open up some minutes for their young guys to play for the rest of the season and be as bad as possible. So that's the thought process. I don't love it. I think they could have gotten more, but it is what it is. 
Yeah. My God. I, 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 I just I just wish they would have gotten more. I mean, it, it's cool, but also, why'd you wait this long? If this was the plan all along, why 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 didn't you trade this when they had twenty wins like a week ago? They're they're easily gonna get to thirty wins this year, and history tells us that thirty win teams just have a way worse chance of being top four picks than teams with less than 30 wins. It just, the, I, I don't know. It, like, I think <laughs> in the end it, it will work out, but like the other thing that I cannot stand is jazz fans being like, Oh, it freed up salary cap space. They now have $60 million in, in salary cap. They can go sign a free agent. This, what what are you talking about? The Jazz have never been able to lure a big name free agent to this market. In they're, their they're not talking about a big name free agent, dude. It's gonna be like remember what the Pistons did with Jeremy Grant a couple of years ago. They signed him to a contract that everybody thought was expensive, but he shows out on a really bad team, ups his value. They get a first round pick from the Blazers a couple of years later. That's what the Jazz are thinking to do, right? Be a dumping ground for bad contracts, sign, you know, good role players to a good amount of money to entice them to come here and flip those guys down the road. That's what the Jazz, they're going to be in business mode the next two or three seasons. Cap space is an asset, um, you know, regardless of what you end up using it on. So I don't I don't know, man. I I'm more on Ethan's side, man. I I did not think this was ground zero. This was panic button time. It sounds like they traded Walker Kessler and Laurie Markkinen from what I'm hearing from you, Eric. But it, uh, a, I, I love Mike Conley, man. Shout out to Malik Beasley. I was a fan of his. You know what I'm saying? All of them. But, like, it's not the end of the world, bro. They going to – I don't know. I like who he kept. At least they kept the best players on the team so they can actually – Possibly no. build something in the next no, couple of years. No doubt. I, and I totally agree. And ultimately, is it that big a deal? No. Because like Ethan said, they'll probably use that, that pick as a trade trip. But like, just the, like after what he pulled off this summer, the fact you dealt all three, all of your valuable assets at once, like, I don't know, for, for a lightly protective, like, I, I don't know, like, you could have done a little bit better, I think. But I think just, we just—you just, just got to look at it. The, the Jazz are already way ahead of where we thought they'd be at this time, mm-hmm. because they have three players that they really like. Uh, two, maybe three. Right? Larry Markkinen has blossomed into an all-star. He's going to be, you know, a major piece for this franchise as they move into their next era. Uh, Walker Kessler has surpassed expectations of what everybody thought he could possibly be as a rookie. Um, he's already been amazing and, you know, he's still so young. So that's a massive win. And then Ochai Baji, young, intriguing wing. Uh, who knows if he'll actually end up being what the Jazz think he can be, but, you know, they're already, I think, ahead of schedule. So you have to kind of look at it glass half full. Yeah. But, you know, I think I can. But the thing that just really gets me going is the fact they didn't deal Clarkson. Because the facts are the facts. He is about to walk in free agency, and they didn't get anything back for him. And to me, out of all those assets that they dealt, he was the most valuable. And they didn't get anything for him. That That's just disappointing to me. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. He does have a player off next season, $14 million. Um, They could potentially extend him. We'll see. Uh, but a little disappointing they didn't trade him today. But I guess the offer just wasn't there. And we know Danny Ainge is not going to trade unless he feels like he's getting his value. So, All right. We'll wrap up here uh, shortly. I think Aramis is on his way to catch a bus. Um, but Ethan, thoughts on where the Warriors are, uh, what the Warriors did this deadline? Yeah, I mean, it's been a rocky year for them. A lot of the fan base was really, you know, hoping that they would make a big splash of a trade. Um, and and the the rumors they were in on OG Ananobi leading up to the deadline, um, and ultimately he didn't doesn't get moved. Uh, you know, the Raptors were asking for Jonathan Kaminga, probably Moses Moody as well, uh, multiple first round picks, and they just weren't willing to meet that. I'm I'm very happy they didn't trade Jonathan Kaminga today. I'm high on his 
future. I think he's going to end up being really awesome. So glad that they didn't move him. Um, giving up on Wiseman this soon, it sucks. But, you know, ultimately he wasn't going to help them um, over this year or next. I hope he succeeds in Detroit. I'm really rooting for the kid. Um, he just never really got a fair shake to play due to injuries. And, you know, I just never thought he was really a great fit in their system to begin with. So getting Gary Payton the second back on the team, they never should have let him go in the first place, but you know, it saves them a little bit of money up against the cap. It makes it a little bit easier to re-sign Draymond Green and Clay Thompson in a couple of years. Gary Payton, we know he fits. We know he understands the system. He's more valuable to the Warriors than he is to any other team in the NBA. So um, I'm happy with the trade. I think it makes And uh, I'm just really happy to see GP2 back because he's a fan favorite. Um, you know, loved cheering for him last year and, you know, happy to have him back on the team. I'm not going to lie to you, Ethan. I had a roller coaster of emotions for what your lovely Warriors was doing this trade deadline. I'm like, wait, they're going to get Sadiq Bay? Oh, my God. This is going to be a great fit. He can shoot. He can do all this. Da, da, da. Wait, they're trading him to the Hawks. Why Why would they do that? And then they bring back the the lovely GP, man, Gary Payton, the segment, the third, whichever. My bad. No offense. But, like, that's just a great move. I don't know. He's like the, I don't know. It's just like he's the biggest role player that got moved. Like the least, like you said, the least valuable player on any other team. But I don't know, man. They're they're, they're championship contenders again with him on the roster. But I don't know what it's to Yeah, I'm happy he's back. Um, that's all there is to say, I guess. All right. I feel like we can uh, do some brief awards here and then get out of here. By the way, Ethan, I just saw a tweet. Uh, little uh, women's basketball nerd out here. In the uh, top 16 reveal uh, for uh, the men's and women's March Madness bracket as it sits today, uh, Utah is a two seed. That's crazy. That's Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. One of the best teams in the country. Yep. I hope they make some noise. Super cool. Yeah. Um. All right, trade deadline winner. I'll go first. Rob Belinka. I mean, literally, to me, I mean, no bigger winner than the Lakers because they went from a team with basically no starting caliber NBA players to a team suddenly with a, a full lineup. You know, you you have two very good defenders in Malik Beasley and Jerry Vanderbilt, who can play with or without Anthony Davis. You add Malik Beasley's three-point shooting ability and, and ability to score in the long game, which is very good. You add D'Angelo Russell as another scoring option, and you take the ball out of Russell Westbrook's hand and put it into LeBron James's hand and let him facilitate and run the team the way he wants to run it, which we saw the last time that happened for them. And they had decent role players. They did end up winning the championship. For what? For the as little assets as they had, I think Rob Palenka did a masterful job at getting the Lakers to a point where they now look competitive. But one thing about that, about them though, is they really have to start winning. Like they need to put together like probably like a five to 10 game winning streak over the next month. To, to get back in the conversation because they do have some ground to make up. Yeah. Uh, I think the Lakers, I, I totally agree with you. The Lakers made out really well at this deadline, much better than I thought they could do with what they had available to them. And the other good news for them is that the jazz are going to be actively trying to lose. So it'll make it easier to jump ahead of them. Um, I think the trailblazers took a step back. So that's another you know team that they could potentially jump. Um, so things are, are clearing up a little bit for them to potentially get into the playoffs. And when you do, you know, anything can happen. We'll see how this new roster looks, but they look a lot better on paper to me than they were a week ago. Y'all are right, man. That is a great move. I just can't believe Eric, that you would dare give the Lakers credit for something like this, man. I mean, it was a great move. They are going to be at least competitive now, but hearing it from you, man, you, you, you've changed, changed. Yeah. Yeah. I hate giving them credit. But I guess LeBron did some good GM work for once. Uh, deadline winner for you, Ethan. I mean, we, we touched on this earlier, but I think the winner has to be the Phoenix Suns. I know people understand, you know, they gave up a lot of stuff, but 
It's just such a ballsy move from their new owner to come in, push all his chips to the center of the table and say, we want Kevin Durant. And, you know, to get him on this team, he's under contract. Um, I think they're going to end up being really good. I, I was impressed for, you know, I honestly thought they could have given up more uh, than what they gave up. But, uh, you know, I thought it was a very solid deal all around for them. And I know you disagree, Eric, but there we are. Awesome. Uh, Aramis? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it sweet and simple. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks for me personally. I mean, it's simple. Just add Jay Crowder. Add the player that you missed last season that helped you get the ring. And you're going to hopefully go back and be able to, I don't know, Giannis bully ball people his way into another final. So I'm hoping Jay Crowder can knock down some threes and play some tough defense on anybody they need to. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good one as well. Uh, losers. Man, I feel like the Memphis Grizzlies are huge losers. I thought they needed to be aggressive going into this deadline, and everyone around them got at least a little bit better, and, and they really stood pat and, and didn't do much of anything. And they're, to me, the Grizzlies are a really weird team. Like, Jaw's great, and he's fun to watch and everything, but, like, Dylan Brooks has had a pretty like sneaky bad year. Like Desmond Bain doesn't contribute much offensively. Like they really miss Steven Adams when Steven Adams is not on the floor. Like Steven Adams is low key the piece that makes that offense run. And now what are you just like a, a grit and grind, like okay defensive team with a star point guard? Like, I guess, okay, but is that going to be enough to compete with a team like the Mavericks who have two huge scoring options or the Suns who have two huge scoring options or the Denver Nuggets who have a great defense and an offense that is starting to come to together, especially with the way Michael Porter Jr. has played over the past two weeks. I just feel like the Grizzlies, especially the fact that they were in on OG Ananobi and didn't get him, like, the Grizzlies to me are huge losers here because a, I think the vibes are off with that team. Like you have John Morant's crew, like apparently pointing laser pointers at buses, which by the way, that may or may not be true. The NBA did invent, did investigate it and didn't find anything. And I have a hard time believing the NBA would like allow their players to have a gun pointed at them, but still it's a bad press story from a young superstar who seemingly only has bad press stories come out about them. The the Grizzlies are just in a really awkward position right now. I feel like I, I feel like they were a huge loser of this deadline. Yeah, let me tell you, dude, I the thought of them getting OG Ananobi had me shaking in my boots as a fan of a Western Conference team because he would fit in so well with what they do. Ultimately, you know, like we've already covered, the price was too high, right? But he would have fit so well. And I think at some point, the Grizzlies have to get away from their ethos of drafting and developing players to build this roster. They They have to push their chips in. And maybe it's not this year. Maybe it's not next year. But this team is good. They will not win a title with the roster they currently have. They need another piece. They need a veteran to come in and show the locker room how to act as a contender. Because like you mentioned, Eric, the vibes are off with this roster. And they just need somebody to come in, sit them down, and tell them how to win basketball games. And maybe Ananobi doesn't necessarily do that for them. Maybe it's somebody else. But they they have to have an adult in the room. And I just don't think they have that. And, uh, you know, they, they could have done something different. I think, to be honest with you guys, are blowing this really out of proportion. I think the Grizzlies did a great job. They did make a significant trade. Um, if you notice now, Dylan Brooks does not wear those tight tank tops anymore. So the circulation is coming back into his body, and he's going to be actually able to help them on offense and not foul and be a dumbass player no more. So I, I don't know, man. I think they're Grizzlies in four. That's all I got to say. All right, Aramis, a loser. Uh, a loser. Uh, y'all, y'all was right. The Grizzlies do suck, but I don't know. Biggest loser, obviously Russell Westbrook. I don't know how else you slice it, how else you dice it. He's gonna be. He got out of the team that hated him from his hometown, which gotta suck. 
he's going to be able to go somewhere. Hopefully it's the Clippers. Hopefully the Miami Heat don't play around with that. I hope they don't actually, but like, I don't know. I don't know where his career goes from here. I don't know what he does from here. Um, It's just, he's going to be brought up like, he's going to be brought up by another team, but he's not going to be able to help out with anything. He's, I don't think he's going to be much help to those squads, whatever squad he's on. And I don't know. It just, it's a bad time to be Russell Westbrook, a Russell Westbrook fan or, I don't know. Russell's in general in uh, sports. It's looking bad for them this year. It's been delicious to pray on the downfall of Russell Westbrook and Russell Wilson. <laughs> it's it's great. Been a Eric, tough year for Russell's. Been a tough year for Russell's in sports. That that's that's certainly true. And two Russells I liked in my prime of their careers too. Uh does bro, you know. Russell Westbrook, ultimately, like, what's the market for him? Like, I know a lot of people are saying Miami, but, like, why would Miami ever do that? At this point in his career, he's a He's going to go to the Clippers. Player. He's going to go to the Clippers. I, I think there's a lot of smoke there, and I think it's a mistake. Um, Because the Clippers this year have been, like, so much iso ball and bad half-court offense because Kawhi can't even move anymore, and and – you know, he's looking a little better. I'll give him some credit the past couple of weeks. He's looking better, right? But, you know, Paul George is, is old and slowing down a little bit. I just don't love the way their offense runs. And Westbrook thrives in chaos. He thrives in transition when he can attack the rim and, you know, draw fouls and stuff like that. And I just don't think he fits in what they do. Uh, but the the clip, the way that the Clippers moved at the deadline, getting rid of John Wall and Reggie Jackson – they don't have a point guard anymore. I think that's for a reason. I think they know they're getting Westbrook, and I think it'll be announced soon. Okay. I think that's fair. Um, loser for you, Ethan. Uh, I mentioned them earlier, but I'm going to go with the Portland Trailblazers, and not just because they did business with Bob Myers, but I think the other trade that they made wasn't great for them either. Um, they got rid of Gary Payton II and Josh Hart, um, both two you know, do-it-all wings, you know, guard-type guys, um, that are really solid defensively kind of glue guys that hold the team together. I know they got Matisse Thibel back and he can kind of replicate some of that, but I felt like they just, you know, traded away two guys that I thought could help them really for seemingly not much reason at all. So I don't know. I, I just don't love the way that the Blazers handled this. Okay. I'm going to go post deadline must watch team for the month of February. Who are you guys going to go with? I'll start with you, Aramis. I'm not going to lie. Personally, it's Dallas. I want to see how it's going to go. I want to see how it's going to play out. I want to see if it is going to implode on the team like it has in other years past. Like like I said earlier, I am a fan of Kyrie. I hope that these last couple years in Brooklyn was just, you know, a little little bump in the road with all the craziness that's going on in the world. But realistically, it's going to be fun to see if they can – entice him to actually stay if they could play good enough basketball to keep him in Dallas and do they even want to keep him in Dallas even if he's interested in coming back it's gonna be it's gonna be another it's the next NBA soap opera as most Kyrie teams are Ethan we've talked about a couple of these teams already I'll throw out the Lakers I'm excited to see how their new roster looks uh the Suns obviously excited to see how that fit looks with Durant and Booker but I'll go to another team here uh the Milwaukee Bucks we kind of talked about them, not a major trade to bring in Jay Crowder, obviously, but he's a really great depth piece for them. I think this team is primed for another title run. Um, and, and I think they're hungry to win more. Um, hopefully they can get Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday healthy because they've both been dealing with injury all year. But I'm excited to watch the way that they put this team together and start gearing up for the playoffs. A team that I'll put in here just because we haven't talked about them, uh, the Atlanta Hawks, you know. They decided to stand pat. They didn't deal John Collins. The vibes were off earlier in the year, but they they have been winning as of late. The East is weak now. Like they they could make a run to being like a top five type seed if they win enough games. I I and Trey Young is playing very well right now. Had a huge night tonight against the Suns. Uh, I'm interested in Hawks, but um. Also interested in the Grizzlies over the next month. I'm interested just to see if things get any better there. So it'll be interesting to see how uh, both those teams play out. All right. MVP of the month, the, the past month of the NBA, 
I will let Ethan, you go first. Yeah, I mean, this is tough for me. I think there's a lot of candidates. I admittedly didn't put too much thought into this one, but I'll just throw out a guy, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Um, all-star, deservedly so. You know, the Thunder have been a little surprising. Perhaps they get into the play-in tournament. Um, they didn't really make many moves today. But, uh, you know, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, got to give that man his flowers because he's just had an awesome season. So, All right. That's that's a good answer. Uh, Aramis? Yeah, Eric, go ahead and mute your microphone for the next, like, two minutes. Um, All right. It's LeBron. For me personally, it's LeBron James, man. Like, I'm just going to – there ain't been many people that's been going – there's been a lot of good players, of course, but nobody I've been really caring about. But that record-breaking, being able to become the number one scorer in the NBA history, that's that's something that's going to be real tough for the man Luca or whoever the next great player in NBA history is going to break. So, salute to him. He's my player of the month. I'm struggling to find the mute button. Here we go. Um, to me, pretty simple. The scoring numbers aren't always crazy, but I think he's got like five triple doubles in a row now. Uh, Nikola Jokic just does it every night. I, I've kind of been a doubter of him throughout his career. That's probably been a mistake, but he's been absolutely incredible over the past month, and I and I think he'd be the the guy I'd I'd give it to. Well, you know, and another close um, contender there is Giannis Antetokounmpo, who, by the way, in his last ten games is averaging thirty seven points a game. Uh, also, another guy putting up insane point totals over the last ten games. Uh, Damian Lillard, thirty six points per game. And uh, why don't we just close with that? The NBA trade deadline is done. The next big trade market uh, will happen at the draft. Who is the biggest name we see moved at the next big trading point? I'll go first. I do think it is that man I just mentioned. I do think finally we see a Dame trade where the Portland Trail Blazers, this trade deadline, like, Maybe Ethan, the reason they're doing this is because they see the writing on the wall and they're just like, okay, man, we tried this and it, it didn't really work. And it's it's just time to trade Dame and move on to the next era. And, and sadly, that's none of that's on Lillard because I just think that they've completely failed to put a team around him for his whole career. But maybe you're right. I don't know. Um, I'll, I'll jump in with, with a guy I think will end up getting moved. I thought he might get traded today and that was Kyle Lowry. Um, from the Miami Heat. I think they're done with him. Um, I'm a little surprised the Clippers didn't pull the trigger on him, but uh, they end up with Eric Gordon instead, potentially Russell Westbrook on the buyout market. So I think Lowry is going to be on the move from the Heat. Aramis? I am going to... Oh, my God. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that on the next trade deadline, yeah, or uh, but, but the next big trading point, so like midsummer when uh, when uh, the league year opens up again. Man, I'm not gonna lie to you, man. That Dame call that you had was probably is probably the best bet. I think he needs to get up out of there and go somewhere where he can actually get a chance to win. So, all right, boys, ton of fun per usual. Ethan, thanks for joining us, Aramis. Thanks for joining us. You can find Ethan, uh, Ethan's writing at uh, Daily Utah Chronicle, and you can find him on Twitter at Splash City NBA. Yes, sir. Why don't we uh, – let's just make this decision now. Why don't we uh, just say we reconvene the Sunday after this Sunday? So that would be the uh, 19th, and then we'll just – Maybe that keep... would be the All Star game. So we'll see. That would be the day of the All Star game. Yeah, that'd be a good break. We could talk about like yeah. Saturday night and where we stand at the All Star break. And we'll have to see scheduling, but it's good good time. Yeah. So I think uh, expect the next week or so to be off, but after the at the All Star break or after, 
I feel like we should come back and pick weekend days where there aren't college basketball games and uh, start doing this uh, once a week for the rest of the way through, through the season. That sounds good to me. Anyhow, we will be back next time. Hopefully, Audrey will be able to join us. Until then, thanks for listening. We will see you all next time. Peace out.